I'm going to introduce the first person who's going to be talking, my friend Jenny Wielinga. She is Dan Wielinga's sister and a good friend of mine, a fellow graduate of NBC. And she's going to start by sharing some things that um, she has learned and that God has, has been working in, in her heart and life. And then I'll come up at the end and we'll talk about some prevention um, points on suicide. Hello. So, it is going to be a sober chapel today. However, through all of the sobriety, um, our God is so good, and that is what we were just singing about. And so I hope that that will shine through everything that both of us have to say. And so I was going to introduce myself, but Jenny took care of that, and so I appreciate that. So that will save us a little time. And here we go. I have 10 minutes to pack in something that the Lord has been working on me for the last four weeks. And uh, so I am going to do my best. If I fly through it and you have questions later, I'll be around for a large chunk of the day uh, till after peacemaking class because I'm helping with that. Um, So the reason that I'm up here today is not because I have any extra special learning, anything like that. The reason I'm up here is because I have a friend named Sarah Vandeveni. This part's going to be a little hard for me to get through, guys. Um, She was a fellow student here at Montana Bible College. She was my friend, and she was somebody I poured a lot of time into as a disciple. And just about a month ago, she committed suicide. And so that is why I'm up here, because this is something that is very fresh in my life. And the things that Jenny O is going to be talking about later um, were things that that were helpful, but... um, in this case, it was not successful. And um, so with that, I just want to tell you a few things that the Lord has really just reiterated to me and encouraged me with. And my goal today is to encourage us to see the purposeful care of God in our lives and then let that motivate us to purposefully care for other people around us. Um, Because we never know who's struggling and what they're struggling with. And I bet if I asked for a share raise of hands that everybody here has been discouraged at some times, possibly even depressed, and just struggling with life because life is hard. It's not something that's full of daisies and roses without thorns and things like that. So um, I just, I guess I'll just jump right into it from that point. Um, So that is my goal, to just encourage us to see God at work in our lives and then to turn that around and join him in that work and to encourage other people. So first thing is just that. We need to be looking for God in our daily lives. That was one of the first things that just has really um, impacted me since this. And that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, um, that is very much... um, I actually requested that song for today because uh, that is one of the key parts of overcoming the sorrow and the difficulty and the struggles of life is to turn our eyes on Jesus. He has walked through far more than we will ever walk through, and he is the sovereign God of the universe in control of everything that comes to our lives. And nothing that comes to us is a surprise. It comes very carefully filtered through his very loving hands. And so we need to be looking for the things that he is doing in our lives. Um, And that is... uh, 
has a lot to do with our perspective then. So what our perspective, what we choose to focus on, there is hard stuff, but there is also always good stuff. Even when the Lord is really cranking up the knob on us and we're like, whoa, where is the good? I am not sure. And that does happen. Um, it's not like we are always able to see a list of a hundred things. We might just see one, but there's always something. And so just to turn our eyes on him, because he, if nothing else looks good, <laughs> he is always good. And he is always looking at us with love and care and concern. So turning our eyes on Jesus. And then another song came to mind, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. And then that is the that is set against the idea of if are you heavy laden with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy that you're called to bear? Turn your eyes on Jesus, count your blessings, look for him, look for what he's doing, and be encouraged. Um, that is something that historically, since I knew Sarah from the very first get-go, that was something she had a hard time seeing. She looked and focused on the hard things of life and not on God and what he excuse me, God and what he was doing. And I'm going to just take a second to swallow so that I don't keep sounding like I'm about to cry because I'm not anymore. <clears throat> okay, so that was something that she had a hard time seeing. And so that is one of the reasons that that has really come home to me because I could see that in her life. And then second point, we make big choices by making small daily choices. And that is across the board. There is no exception to that. That's how it works. <laughs> we make big choices by making small choices. And again, that has to do with what are we focusing on um, every day, not and every hour, sometimes every minute, and sometimes it's a huge struggle. Um, but that is, again, just focus. What are we focusing on? And um, for Sarah, that was, again, just the trouble, the discouragement. And then my third thing that God has just really been driving home is that he is purposely and intimately involved in every day of our lives. And it's so easy to forget that and to get wrapped up in the, the daily stuff that we do and just go running through our day. But he is daily at work in our lives. And um, that, that is one thing that with Sarah in particular was super encouraging to me when I went to her funeral because I happened to sit next to a young gal there and she just struck up a conversation with uh, Shannon and Shannon is another student and she and I both knew Sarah well. So we went down to her funeral in Iowa together and um, she, uh, she sat down next to us and we just struck up a conversation with her and it came out that she had been Sarah's friend since high school and she was somebody who very passionately and clearly and strongly loved Jesus even back then. And um, I actually don't even remember her first name right now. But as she was talking, she, she it came out that she had been very influential in Sarah even coming to Bible school. And she had been there when Sarah was really angsty and just very unkind after her dad, because Sarah's dad died when she was 13. So from that time on, um, this gal had been her friend. And even when Sarah was very opposed to everybody around her loving her. And so that was just crazy to me that ever, like all the way back to high school and probably before that, but at least with that, it was clear 
Back to high school, he had been keeping lines of grace open to Sarah her entire life. She came here. There were like five or six people who just really loved the heck out of her, even when she was still pretty prickly. <laughs> and um, and it was just like I could see that. And even as when she left this area and went to Indiana for a while and then moved back to Iowa, she... Um, she would randomly like shut various ones of us friends out. And it was pretty, it was almost like regularly scheduled programming kind of. She would talk to us for a while and then it would be something would happen and she just would not talk. And, but then she would talk to one other one and then she'd shut them out and open the door to somebody else. And it was just crazy because I think she would thought she was in control of that. But it was like, I can just see God continuing to open up those doors and make sure there was always somebody speaking truth and grace into her life, even though she didn't want to hear it. Um, And so that kind of leads me to the next point that she didn't want to hear it. And I just, I've been thinking about the peacemaking class a lot, actually, and I, I know several of you are in there this semester, and I know others of you have taken it, and some of you have to take it yet, but um, on the slippery slope, the ultimate flight response is suicide, and I've just been thinking about that with Sarah, and ultimately that was because she refused to make peace with God. Um, she just, um, I'm not going to go into that in super depth, but just her days were full of trouble and trying to fight against him instead of accepting his love, accepting the work that he was doing, looking for him. It was always like, prove it. You can't prove it to me because I'm not listening. And that was just so um, how she lived her life. And so to me, just like for me, is there anything in my relationship with God that I'm holding against him or that I am struggling with his sovereignty in, that I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. I I don't like what you're doing. Um, I hate to break it to you guys. Actually, I don't hate to break it to you. This should take a huge load off your shoulders. You are not God. (laughs) You don't make the rules. You don't design everything. You don't keep things rolling. (laughs) He does. And because of that, though, we, we interact with him in specific guidelines. He's set things out. And so we need to make peace with him and trust him and believe that he's good and walk with him in his ways, not in our ways. And then fifthly, um, well, and that's pretty much the same thing. God is sovereign. He's in control. And, um, and with that, there was one really cool, encouraging thing that, that was really helpful to me as I was watching Sarah or watching funeral proceedings. And I had had an incredible burden put on my heart like I have never had to pray for somebody. And it was like compelled to pray. I have no other way to say that. I, I could, like I could have tried to stop and I don't think I could have. It was every day praying for Sarah intensely. And that was for at least a year. And then two weeks before Sarah died, that was just suddenly gone. And at first, like, that really troubled me. I was like, what the heck just happened <laughs> in the spiritual realm? I'm not even sure I want to know. But, um, but it was like two weeks before that, God knew whatever was happening behind the scenes had happened, and I did not need to pray anymore. And um, so that was just really crazy to me. But then when I found out that she killed herself, it was like, wow, God, like, I don't know what you're doing. 
back behind the scenes. But that was so cool for me to see that he had her on my heart. And then whatever that was that happened two weeks prior to that, it was he was fully in control of that, fully aware of what was going on. It wasn't a surprise to him at all. Okay, and then there's two points that really go together. And these are my last two. So the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, like it says in 1 Peter 5, 8. Um, and with that, in John 10, 10, he's like a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think it should really bother us when that happens to one of our friends that's within our circle of groups, a circle of groups, whatever, you know what I mean. Um, that, that should really bother us that he is stealing and killing and destroying our friends. And you guys should probably look around because she used to sit in this chapel and she used to sit right next to us and she was our friend. And so um, because of that, we need to realize that we are in a battle. We are not safe <laughs> except for the fact that we are safe in Jesus holding us, but we need to cling to that, and we need to run for that, and we need to put aside the things that so easily entangle us, and we need to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. And that is all that I have to say. Um, I'm sorry that this was really intense. It was only a month ago, and but I just really, really hope that it has been encouraging to you guys. Um, that has been my goal, just to, yeah, to encourage and to challenge us. This is not, our lives are not something to take lightly. They are super important and precious, and the people sitting next to you are incredibly valuable. And we need to not only fight for our own relationship with the Lord, but we need to fight for each other's as well. And that's it. Um, I don't have my glasses. Can somebody tell me what time it is? Okay. Man, good job. Okay. Um, this subject would be well served with an hour. Um, so I pack it into 25 minutes. There's a lot more to say uh, than what we'll have time to say. So I encourage you, um, if you have been affected by suicide or if, if there's any of this that is interests you, there's a lot of material out there and, and knowledge and, and, and whatnot out there. Um, but I think I just need to pray for my own heart right now um, before I get started. So, uh, Father, I just come before you. Um, Lord, you know all that's been going on even in, in my life this month. And... Um, I just need your strength, your um, your calm, and and your spirit to guide my words and and my thoughts. And um, may this be focused on you and what you would want um, to be said. We just uh, ask to be your instruments in whatever circumstances you place us. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Okay, um, I didn't ask for a clicker. Is there a <laughs> clicker? Thank you. How many of you guys have been affected in some way by suicide? Show of hands, please. <clears throat> okay, that is definitely the majority of us. 
this is, especially if you've been in Montana for any length of time, we are the number one state for suicide in the nation. We, our average in Montana is three times the national average for suicide. Uh, typically, Alaska is another number one state. There usually we kind of go back and forth for, for highest completed suicides in the nation. Um, it's the second leading cause of death in the ages 15 to 24, so right where you guys are at, and if you're involved in any youth group, second leading cause of death. Men die by suicide four times more than women, although women attempt three times more than men. So it's um, very, very prevalent. One in 12 college students has made a suicide plan. So not just had the fleeting thought, but has actually come up with a plan. So that may not be... Um, a Bible college statistic, but any friends that you have, peers, unbelievers that you're reaching out to, one in 12. In Montana, 2016, um, we had the highest rate in the nation. That's kind of how the statistics have to catch up to us as far as reporting and everything. Uh, For every death by suicide, there are six survivors, which means every year in Montana, there are 1,400 new um, survivors of suicide attempts. 75% of Montana suicides in the statistic period had identified warning signs. And so that's why I'm here with you. And some of you have heard some of this from what I shared last year. But there are some that don't have warning signs. So we can't probably necessarily prevent every single situation. But 75% is enough to really work at being equipped and knowledgeable on. So... Um, how many of you guys remember from last year any of my acronym here? I have created this um, SAVE acronym to help us to kind of remember some of these. Anybody remember the S? Science. Yes, A? Hmm? Ask. Yes, ask. V? View. Viewer perspective, yes. E? Remember, remember E, don't go it alone, enlist help. So that's great. Um, you guys remember in those. So we're going to talk about each of those points here as we go. So first of all, signs. There are signs that, um, there are signs that we can see, and there are signs that we can um, listen for. So I, <laughs> I should have worn my glasses. I'm going to have to turn around. I'm sorry. Um, I hate to do that, but... Uh, So, first of all, behavioral clues. So the top two are starred because drug and alcohol abuse and any type of sexual identity, sexual gender issues, those are two of the number one behavioral things, triggers for suicidal thoughts. Um, Some of the others drop in hygiene, missing commitments, giving away valuables, not necessarily monetary, but even even something that has just significance, personal significance. Sudden purchase of weapons. We have high access to weapons, so that's a big thing in Montana. So those are things we want to watch for. Situational clues. Um, Previous suicidal thoughts are huge. Uh, That just definitely is going to lead to opening that door again in thinking. Um, And then being bullied. This is maybe something... I don't know as we get into to adult years if this is as much of an issue, but in schools, um, the youngest suicide on record is nine years old in our country. That's crazy. But with youth, if you guys work with youth, bullying or being bullied, both are huge. 
Um, other things, broken relationships, family conflict, especially with youth, broken family relationships are a huge indicator, a huge uh, contributor. Death of loved ones, <clears throat> expulsions, loss of job, things like that. A lot of medications that people will be put on, even children, their side, they might be put on them for depression, anxiety. Their side effects can be suicide thinking. It's just kind of, I mean, how does that not, how does that help? You know, that's, it almost seems con- counterindicated, but um, something to be aware of if you know somebody is on medication for any type of uh, psychological or mental health things. And then listen for verbal clues, direct statements, anything discussing death or dying, hopelessness. I just can't go on anymore. It's not worth it. Nothing, nothing makes a difference. Any of those kind of statements, we want to be listening. Um, when we get to asking the question, um, if you get nothing else out of today, hopefully you've taken this away from last time I talked, it's okay to ask the question. If you're seeing some things, if you're hearing some clues, it, there, I, I definitely had this mistaking in thinking. I know Danny as well, when he and I have both been through some suicide training, um, it's you don't introduce the idea of suicide by asking somebody if they're suicidal, if they've had suicidal thoughts. You are, you are actually releasing and giving them permission to talk about it. You're, that that it's in itself releases some burden. So you can ask, and it's, it's indicated to ask, what, how you want to ask or not want to ask. So if I walked up to Peyton and I was like, Peyton, you're not like considering suicide or anything, right? No, there's an assumed answer there, right? No, that's, you know, it's like I'm asking because I feel like I need to ask, but I don't really want to know, so don't really tell me. Um, So we want to avoid that kind of a question. And instead, we want to, there's a, you can do an indirect approach or a direct approach. So um, maybe I would say to Colton, hey, Colton, I know you've been going through a lot of stuff lately. And this is the indirect, yeah. Um, I know it seems like it's been taking its toll on you. Um, have you ever just felt so burdened you just kind of want to go to sleep and not wake up again? So what am I doing here? I'm noticing some things about him. Um, he's been going through a lot of things lately. I am I'm observing that it's made a difference in him. I'm caring about him. I'm, I'm in kind of investing in him in asking this question. And I've kind of gone sort of a side route. I'm, I'm not making him answer the, the hard question. So an indirect approach might be good based on you or your relationship with the person. It might be a direct approach. Um, it might be something more like, you know, Trey, man, I can see life has been really hard and, and it's really taken its toll. I mean, have you ever been so discouraged that you feel like committing suicide? So again, I'm noticing things about him. I'm investing. This one, actually, usually I, I do, you know, can I ask you a personal question? I'm going to ask permission to invest in and to go deeper in his life. I'm preparing him. Okay, this is a hard topic. I'm going to go for it. You're showing care and concern. You're, you're making a safe place to have that conversation. So once you've asked the question, now the listening really begins. You want to listen. Whether they're saying yes or they're like, no, no, it, it's not that bad. But yeah, it's, it's been hard though. And listen, be that friend, be that ear. Encourage them, point them to the Lord. But this is the time to to take to listen. And I want to encourage in each step, we should be praying as we're observing things and seeing the signs, as we're asking the question, and as we move into the next step, we want to be in prayer. Um, So when somebody is so discouraged that they are considering suicide, considering just giving up, you know, what are they looking at? They are looking at this 
pile of ash in their life, in their hands, all the way around them. All they see is blackness, charred, death. Their view is very localized. I can't see a whole lot in my peripheral. So we need to help them to lift their eyes, to see that, hey, there's something beyond. There's something out there. There may be some more black before we get to it, but hey, I'm going to walk alongside you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there with you. But lift up your eyes. There's something more. Where does our help, help come from? Our help comes from the mountains, from the Lord. So we want to infuse hope. And even if they're not to the point of suicide, that's okay. We can still infuse hope in their situation, right? We can still listen. We can still pray. They say suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And when somebody sees this as a real option, they need hope. So how do we help somebody? Well, we can, there's different ways we can invest in, in offering hope and, and changing their view and perspective. We can look at it as, I don't know where this person is at spiritually. So I can't really, you know, I, I want to be careful how I speak. Um, or it really would appeal to anybody. So, and then we're going to look at believers and unbelievers, some specific ways to infuse hope. So first of all, if somebody is willing to talk to you about their situation, about their fears, about um, even some of the plans that they have, they are showing and demonstrating that there's a hope. Um, There's a hope for change that they're willing to talk to you because they hope that you might be able to help and encourage them. If they're not willing to talk about it, if they don't want to admit to you anything, you can't respond to that. Um, But even talking about it shows hope. Expressing your concern and desire for them to live. They may not have hope themselves, but you can say, hey, I know you can't see it, but I believe that there's, there's help. I believe that there's a change possible. And can you just trust my hope? Let's, let's walk forward together. And then other people have, have walked this road. And if you, have any, um, if you have any connection, as you, many of you have said, to suicide, you know maybe people who have been that low and that have um, been helped. So other people have felt that way in that much despair and have come and moved beyond that. So for somebody who is a believer, there's some specific hope that we can offer, right? I have a couple of verses we're going to look at here, and then maybe I'll put you guys on the spot um, to do some memories or recitation here. So for a believer, God has not left him and uh, him or her, and God has authority in our life, right? Psalm 118, 17 and 18 says, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely but he has not given me over to death. Within that, there is an acknowledgement of God's control in our life, that things might be hard, that it might feel like we're being disciplined or chastened. But God is the one who has the right to control our life and our days. So Jesus has bought us, and as our shepherd walks with us. So how many of you guys have memorized Psalm 23? This is probably the, you can probably guess which verse this is. Anybody want to? Want to give a stab at this? Yea, though I walk through, I feel no evil. You are with me. Rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is faithful to offer another solution besides death. So all you counseling students should know this one. Somebody give me this one. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. But God is faithful. Who else got it? The rest of it. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will bring endurance 
That is his escape, is strength and endurance. So, even those in Scripture despaired at times. Job 3, he wished that he hadn't even been born. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 1, said they had so many troubles that they despaired even of life. This is a biblical topic, and there's biblical examples of despair and God's deliverance. So again, let's be praying. So an unbeliever, we don't want to make God's, give God's promises to unbelievers because we don't need to. <laughs> He's got all kinds of promises for them directly. No one is beyond God's reach and love. Psalm 139, it talks about how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But before that, it talks about no matter if I go down to the depths of Sheol, you are there. No matter where I find myself, God is present. God is available. He is ready to respond to them, to listen to them and to act in their life. God's love is seen because Jesus died while we were yet sinners, right? He didn't die for us once we got cleaned up. He died for us when we were in the pit. And I am glad. Um, I'm a pit walker with the rest of you guys. Um, God gives hope through the message of God in the Bible. So maybe somebody isn't very um, knowledgeable in, in, in about God, but there's promises that he has in his word. So Romans 15, verse 4 says, Whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So that might be just enough little nugget of truth to get them into the word where they're going to meet their creator and they're going to be encouraged and blessed. So are we praying? We need to be praying through all of this. So as we move forward... Enlist help. So there's some very specific things here. You always take somebody's comments about suicide seriously. Um, We never want to joke about that, and we don't want to assume anyone else is joking. We want to be intentional in reaching out to them. Never promise confidentiality. And maybe working with, with children, this is maybe even more important. It's like, you can't tell anybody if I tell you this. Well, I can't make that promise, but if I tell anybody, it's only going to be somebody that's going to try to help, and that's safe, and that's trustworthy. But even a friend, it's like, don't make those promises. I can't, because I love you too much to promise to not help you if you need help. Go back one slide, yes. That guy? Okay. Don't take the full responsibility yourself. We are not the Savior, right? That's the blessed news. Jesus is. We don't have to bear the whole weight, the whole responsibility. We, church is plural. Church is a body. Church is a community. It's a building. Um, we are members of one another. We need to help one another. Don't leave them alone. If somebody's struggling, don't be like, hey, well, I hope you have a good night. I'll pray for you, and then I'll come back, and we'll check on you in the morning. Whatever is needed at that moment, take that time. Get people to help Don't leave them alone. Offer to go get help with them. Maybe they're like, you should just go talk to so-and-so. Well, maybe that's a huge step. It's like, hey, come on. I'm going to go with you. We're going to go talk to so-and-so, and and we're going to get some help. Um, Go with them. Okay, so I want us to read this verse together. And then while we're doing that, um, Aaron, you can come up and get ready. We're going to sing that verse one more time, that chorus. But if you guys can all stand up... um, we are members of one another. Just as Jenny said, we want, to be, we want to recognize God's intentional, purposeful care for us. And we want to have that kind of care for the body of Christ. So let's all read this together. So that there should be no division in the body, 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. <laughs> 